Welcome to Australian Hiker. We're your hosts, Tim and Jill Savage. This is episode 25 of the Australian Hiker podcast, your go-to resource for all things hiking in Australia. Today's episode is titled, Which Backpacking Stove? Now as hikers, as we gain in experience and confidence, we tend to start doing longer hikes and depending on our interests, we may even move into uh, uh, overnight hikes and multi-day trips. And at this stage, we have extra considerations we need to take into account And one of those is how do we deal with food on the trail? Now for day trips or even for short overnight trips, we can actually get away without having to worry too much. We can pack all our food, not worrying about cooking. But what happens if you want to go through and have a hot chocolate or have have some hot food? How do you go about heating that food up? Now as a typical gearhead, I must admit I, uh, I currently own four stoves. Uh, and for a lot of experienced hikers, that's probably not uh, not unusual. Uh, and my most recent purchase, my Esbit pocket stove, uh, is mainly aimed at multi-day uh, solo hikes, where I'm trying to minimise my weight. If you talk to friends or people that you know that hike and do overnight hikes, most of them will already own stoves and will be very happy to espouse the, the virtues of the particular type of stove they use. Now, the following article provides a brief overview of readily available stove types, uh, and we'll look at the best uses for each type, as well as identifying the, the pros and cons in, a te- in an attempt to help you decide which one may be of use for you. When looking at purchasing a stove, uh, you need to take into account the type of hiking that you go through and do. Um, it may be that uh, you you don't particularly want to cook uh, and you go stoveless. It may be that uh, you like doing full-on cooking and preparation on the trail, or it may be all you are doing is rehydrating your food. And this will certainly dictate, if you have a preference, uh, the type of stove that you might need. Now, for us, we tend to uh, rehydrate food, whether that's purchased or prepared at home. And we tend to have one or two cups of tea or coffee or a hot chocolate a day. And for us, that means around about a 1.5 to 1.8 litre of water on average each day. And I must admit, we also tend to have a dessert every second day as well. Now, when comparing stove systems, you need to look at, uh, I suppose you need to compare oranges with oranges, if you like. Uh, And that means that you need to look at the size and weight of the system. And that includes the heat source, uh, the fuel source, uh, the type of container that you're cooking in, these all come into play. So you can't just look at the stove itself, Uh, you need a pot if you're going to be going through and cooking. In addition, you also need to look at price, price of purchasing the unit as well as prices running and maintaining the unit as well. (music) 
All right, now the first, uh, first type of stove we're going to look at is the gas stoves. These, uh, these simple sort of units involve uh, a gas heating unit screwed on top of a gas canister. Uh, and these canisters are normally made up of uh, butane and a propane mixture. There's a wide range of companies that go through and produce these units, and most models will sell for under $100. We recently went through and did an online survey to see what sort of stoves people tend to use, and this came through as equal first. And certainly from an anecdotal point of view, I actually expected this to be, be the top. Uh, on our recent uh, uh, overland track trip, almost without fail, the majority of hikers were using this type of stove. The cheaper models of this type of stove uses uh, either matches or cigarette lighters to light, with the dearer ones using a, a, an ignition switch, a piezoelectric switch. These units need uh, to have a pot associated with them, and sometimes the kits will actually have pots included. Otherwise, you typically tend to be buying the stove unit, buying the gas cylinder, and then buying the pot as a separate item. Now, manufacturers will usually go through and recommend that they use their brand of gas, uh, but how, but these, these gas cylinders are interchangeable between brands. These units tend to be very robust and will last for years if looked after. One of the things you do need to think about is the type of um, use that you're going to put your stove to. Tim mentioned, you know, are you just rehydrating water or are you doing full-on cooking? Mm-hmm. Um, with that in mind you then need to be looking at all of the bits that you need to um, gather together to be able to do the uh, the sort of food preparation that, that you're looking for. And I must admit, for me, it was really interesting to have a look at um, the add-ons. So it's not quite would you like fries with that, but it is definitely... You, you need to add things on, you need to make sure that you've got all the pieces. And if you're not thinking about that first up in terms of a total system, potentially you could end up spending a lot of money adding bits and adding bits just to do what you want to do. Now, for the use I described in, uh, in the introduction, uh, I use approximately 30 grams of gas per day for two people. Uh, and there are a number of different cylinder sizes available, but my personal choice is the small 100-gram units. They're a fairly tiny little gas cylinder. They're easy to pack. They don't take up much space. And based on that sort of usage, uh, one of those cylinders will last roughly about three, three to four days. Now, depending on the length of the trip, if I'm only doing a, a couple of nights or three nights, that might be all that I need. But if I'm doing a longer trip, I'll need to go for a larger cylinder. But it's no use carrying the really large cylinders that might last a couple of weeks if you're only going to do a one-day hike or a two-day hike and carry the extra weight. One of the disadvantages of using the small cylinders is that they make the unit very unstable. So you will actually need um, a tripod, uh, and some of these units will actually come with them, um, or you can buy them separately to keep the, uh, the actual whole thing stable. So, I mean, there is an advantage of carrying the bigger cylinders uh, in that they keep the, the actual stove unit stable itself. 
The advantages of this type of stove is the fuel canisters are readily available worldwide. They're relatively quick to boil, relatively cheap to run, and they're quick to assemble and disassemble. A number of the units or most units have adjustable heating temperatures. The disadvantages tends to be that the gauges, um, it's very hard to gauge uh, how much gas is left in the cylinder and you can actually do it um, but normally that involves trying to gauge weight and it's very hard when you've got very small weights you're working with or actually floating the cylinder in a, a bowl of water to see how, how high or how low it sinks and that's typically not something you tend to do on a, when you're on a hiking trip. Yeah, that is a bit of a mystery with the gas cylinders. Um, you do need to work out a way of um, understanding how much you've used, therefore how much you've got left, how much more um, opportunity you have left to le- to use the cylinder, and uh, it can be a little bit of trial and error. The disadvantages, as we said, is, is, is gauging how much um, uh, gas is left in the cylinder, and for a lot of the more basic units where you're just screwing the stove itself onto the, uh, the actual cylinder, they can be very prone to uh, wind and a lot of the, uh, they can be very inefficient if you're in a windy area. So you need to actually go through and uh, set them up in a sheltered area, make sure the wind's not blowing them. Uh, or if failing that, you use a, a windshield. Um, and we'll go through and put a picture of a windshield up on, the, uh, on this post. So a windshield is actually a, an artificial barrier that, that prevents uh, wind impacting on the flame. Now the best uses for these type of stoves is for couples or solo hikers who want minimal weight and easy cooking. The next type of stove is the integrated, integrated gas stove. Uh, and again, as we mentioned in our recent survey, this was equal, uh, equal um, usage with the, uh, the standard gas stoves. Roughly about 30% of hikers were using both these types of stoves. The integrated gas stoves actually have the cooking unit, uh, the windshield and the pot all integrated into one. You screw the gas cylinder onto the base of it uh, and the thing becomes one whole unit. So you don't have to buy additional bits to set this thing up. These, uh, these systems are very easy to manage on the trail, and if they're looked after, they generally last well. And the main claim for fame of integrated gas, uh, integrated gas stoves is they boil water really fast. So as an example, to boil half a litre of water normally takes under around about two and a half minutes in most situations. As the ambient temperature drops, so if you're in the snow or in high altitude, uh, the uh, gas becomes colder, and as a result, the, uh, the lower vapor pressure means that you'll use more gas to achieve the, uh, the boil. The integrated gas stove is definitely my favorite. Um, I do struggle with watching a boil, boiling pot of water. Um, it's the old saying about um, watching a kettle boil takes twice as long. Is that the old saying? I'm saying I'm not so sure. Um, I think it's I think it's a watch pot never boils. A watch pot never boils. That's right. Um, so I don't have to do that, but uh, you know I do I do find that the fact that the system is all in one, um, uh, a much more uh, comforting um, arrangement, um, and uh, you know I feel a little bit better, particularly. 
you know, when you you've been walking for a long day and you don't have to um, concentrate too much on what you're doing, I do find the integrated systems a whole lot easier. Now, the advantage of this, of this type of stove is the fuel is readily available worldwide. Uh, they're wind resistant compared to uh, the normal gas stoves. They're very fast and use very, very little fuel. You don't need to buy anything else. Basically, what you get in, in the actual package is pretty much everything that will do you. And the newer models have built-in ignition uh, units on them. At $9 for a 100-gram uh, canister, this equates to around about $1.30 a day. Uh, so I think, in fact, I think it's actually $1.28 per day that I worked out. Um, and again, most of the models that are designed to take uh, the 100-gram gas cylinders to fit inside the integrated pots. The disadvantages tends to be they are expensive upfront purchase. Normally, you're sort of looking at about, uh, if you get them on sale, you might be lucky to get them around about the $100 mark, uh, but the, some of the more dearer ones can be a couple of hundred dollars. They're not easy to do field repairs on, so it's recommended that you carry matches or a lighter, particularly when you're working at high altitudes and the uh, starting mechanism doesn't tend to work. They're not great for cooking meals uh, because of the excessive heat unless you buy the accessory kits. Uh, and they tend to be a bit heavy for solo hikers, but when shared between two, the weight is not a great issue. The best uses for this type of stove uh, is really they're meant for boiling water. They're great for short trips where weight's not an issue. And if you only need to boil water, this is the way to go. The next type of stove is the spirit stove. And these stoves use methylated spirits in a small container around which pots, um, around which they get pot stand and pots sit. Historically, this is probably the most sold camping stove in Australia. And for those of us that own multiple stoves, you can almost guarantee that this will be one of them. The best known brand on this one is Trangier Stoves, uh, and they use methylated spirits, which is also called heat in the, in the United States. These stoves work for cooking as well as boiling water or rehydration, uh, but their main drawback is their speed. They're very slow. So... The slow speed is what makes them suitable for cooking, but you know if you're in a hurry or you don't really like cooking, you're waiting a long time for water to boil. One of the other issues with this type of stove is you are carrying your liquid fuel, your methylated spirits, in, an, in a, a separate container. And you do need to make sure you get a decent quality container for the fuel. Methylated spirits will often melt different types of plastics and destroy fabrics. Um, and it can become quite an expensive process if you do get a leak inside your pack. So Trangier actually produce a dedicated fuel bottle, which is heavy duty uh, and very, very reliable. Now, by far the biggest disadvantage of this stove is the risk of personal injury and of creating fires. Now, I managed as an 11-year-old to set my hand on fire when cooking with methylated spirits. <laughs> Uh, and thankfully, there was no permanent damage. Uh, uh, but I just hadn't realized I'd spilt uh, the spirits on my hand as I was, as, as I was getting set up. And, and I'd lit the, uh, lit the burner and also my hand had caught fire as well. Uh, so they're not really a stove you want to leave with young children to go through and do the cooking. The other issue with these as well tends to be if you do spill fuel while you're, uh, you're setting up, um, I've seen people create fires at campsites 
so it, it's 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 one of the sort of things where you don't want to be using these when there's a high fire danger. Uh, now again, in our survey, 26% of hikers use this type of stove as their main stove. And the other issue with a spirit stove is that um, we've actually seen people somehow um, tip up the the spirit container um, in their pack um, as they're hiking. Um, partly it might have got knocked sideways or even the, uh, the momentum of the spirit bobbing up and down in a container um, while you're walking, uh, perhaps with the lid not quite uh, secure, uh, they've ended up with no, no fuel and um, methylated spirits all through their pack. Um, now, for the described use, as I gave in the introduction, uh, we need approximately 40 mils of methylated spirits per day for two people. And this is certainly going to vary depending on your own use. Um, and based on the cost of, cost of methylated spirits at the moment, that's about 14 cents for the day. Um, now, the, the advantages of this type of stove is its uh, fuel is very readily available worldwide, very cheap to run. It's very simple construction, so there's not much to go wrong. Very easy to gauge the full, your fuel use. Um, the units typically come as kits, so there's nothing more to add unless you want to get carried away. Uh, and they're about a mid-range as far as pricing goes for a cooking system. The kits also include pot grips, so you can actually pick up the hot pots with them. The disadvantages, as we've already alluded to, is if you knock one over, you can actually end up setting fire to the surrounding landscape. So you always want to make sure that you remove the leaf litter from the cooking area and ensure that your stove is stable and isn't going to be kicked or knocked over. Uh, the actual... Fuel itself can actually leave a sooty residue on the pot, and Trangy recommend diluting the fuel with about 10 to 15% water to resolve this issue. Cooking times are very slow to boil water, uh, and in a test I did for this, uh, this uh, review, um, half a litre of water took just on 6 minutes and 50 seconds to boil. Um, and if you're cooking, doing large amounts for cooking or cooking for a number of people, a meal time can take quite a long time. It's hard to see if the fuel is lit during the daytime. Uh, and I've gone through and done, been looking at this, trying to work out if it's, uh, if it's on or not. And the only way you can really check is to go through and put your hand close, not in the, the flame, and just to feel the heat. These stove types can't be used in most Australian states at the time of total fire bans. So you do need to check before you go, particularly when you're hiking in summertime. And some of the national parks and wilderness areas also don't allow you to use um, these types of, of stoves. Uh, basically anything with a, with a naked flame. Now, the best use for these stoves is it's great for couple or solo hikers who aren't in a hurry. Now we move on to liquid fuel stoves. And these stoves consist of a fuel container, a regulator, a burn and a burner unit that is manufactured to take a wide range of fuel types. So you're not just using one range of one type of fuel, you can use any number of types of fuel in these, uh, in these units. They can be fiddly to set up. Uh, they're expensive and they need to be primed. And if you do prime these things incorrectly, they can end up being dangerous um, and causing serious injuries. So 
They're the sort of thing you don't want to fiddle around with and not know how to work them. The stoves are excellent when you're traveling in areas where you're not sure what the fuel supply is going to be like. Uh, And they're also great as a a base camp for large groups where they're set up and you're not moving them and you're coming back to your camp each day. While they're fiddly, they can be stripped down and repaired in the field. So something that a lot of other stove types don't cater for. Uh, And again, in our survey, 9% of hikers identified as using this stove as their main type of hiking stove. Now, the advantages um, is the ability to use a wide range of fuels. They're great for longer trips with multiple people. They're very fuel efficient, easy to repair, and very versatile. The disadvantages uh, is that it's expensive upfront purchase, and some of these can be two to $300. So they're the dearest type of stove. You need to add a pot. Um, with uh, uh, not, They don't come with a pot, so you've got to add that to the price and to the weight of the unit. They can be bulky, and as mentioned, they can be dangerous if not used properly. They're also very loud. Now, not a major issue, I know, but again, if you're trying to be with the wilderness and, and be comfortable and listen to the environment, these things are quite noisy. So as mentioned, they're best used for staying put and not travelling around, uh, and when you're not sure what you're... Uh, your fuel availability is going to be. This next stove type is probably one of the less common stoves on the market, and that's the hexamine stoves. Hexamine is a fuel type, uh, and the best way to think about it, it looks like a block of wax. Um, And so, as I mentioned, they're not one of the more common hiking stoves. And our survey sort of showed up that only about 2% of people use these as their main stove. For me, this type of stove is a little bit like the Bear Grylls version of cooking your food or creating a flame. Um, uh, probably a step up from rub- rubbing two sticks together. Um, and no doubt I will offend a lot of people by saying that. But I do find this quite primitive and I do worry about the size of the naked flame. And, and when we did our test... It was a sizable naked, naked flame that we were generating through this um, use of this particular type of stove. Now, these stoves have a history as being military stoves, and certainly they've been around for over 50 years. Um, they basically consist of a, the, the actual fuel block itself, the little waxy block, uh, and some sort of metal frame that provides a base for the pot to sit on and the, uh, the fuel to sit in. The main brand you'll come across with these ones is the Esbit brand. Uh, and as I mentioned, the Esbit pocket stove is the one that we, uh, we are looking at at the moment to see how, how useful it's going to be as, for me as a solo hiker. Uh, basically, you unfold the stove to the desired size, put the little block in and light it with a cigarette lighter or a match. And 500 mils of water takes approximately 11 minutes to boil depending on the effect of the wind. So it is a very slow burn. Each 14 gram tablet will last around about 12 to 14 minutes, uh, which means that for the use I described, we need about three tablets a day, which works out around about $4.50 for two people. So while this unit is very lightweight and very compact, your fuel usage is more expensive. The fuel isn't as susceptible to cold as some of the other types can be. Um, And really the weight of the unit is based on your pot choice. So for me, the Esbit pocket stove, the fuel, and 
I use the little pot from the Trangia Mini, which is the little spirit stove. Uh, weighs about 341 grams. So it's a very lightweight cooking system overall. While fuel is readily available, you need to ensure that you know where your next resupply is going to come from, uh, otherwise you may have to carry fuel for your entire trip. Now these are reasonably foolproof, but again, like the spirit stoves, you want to make sure you clear any loose leaf litter that potentially could catch fire away from the camping site. Uh, and again, as mentioned, uh, as a naked flame, you may not be able to use these in a total fire ban. So it may be that this might not be your only type of stove. So these stoves are cheap to purchase. Uh, the little Esbit uh, 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 pocket stove is under $30. Cheap to run, uh, uh, certainly for solo hikers, but it can, be, it can become expensive for two people. The fuel tablets have indefinite shelf life if stored correctly. Uh, and they will cater for different size pots. They're easy to manage on the trail uh, and they're physically small and lightweight. The disadvantages, mainly for heating up uh, rehydrated um, water and rather than cooking, they can be a health hazard if you use them in enclosed environments. But really, the, I've, I have seen people do this, but you really shouldn't be cooking inside tents. You've got naked flames, uh, generating heat. You've got most tents these days are artificial plastics or polymers of some type. Uh, and you, uh, as an after product of a lot of these sort of stoves, including the little hexamine stoves, you're producing carbon monoxide in, in an enclosed environment. So really you should be cooking out in the open or at, at best or at worst, if you like, uh, under the, um, uh, the alcove of the tent but not somewhere where the, the, the fume is going to end up inside the tent. The best use for these sort of stoves is to rehydrate and use hot water for drinks rather than cooking. The last type of stove we're going to talk about are wood burners. And these stoves really are just a, a miniature wood barbecue that we may actually use at home. They don't really fit into the lightweight backpacking category, although there are some that are on the market. They can weigh up to a kilo or more in weight. Uh, and they rely on you being able to find dry fuel and also to be illegally allowed to use them, which is not always an option in Australian parks. Uh, they're great for car camping when weight's not an issue and you want to create that atmosphere that you can pick up with an open fire. Uh, in our recent survey, no hikers actually identified the, using this type of stove as their main stove type. Uh, BioLite tends to be the main manufacturer for this brand or this type of uh, stove. Uh, and they do produce a model that you can actually recharge your mobile phone with, um, which, is, uh, which is being charged by the heat that's generated out of this unit. Good little idea, but as I said, it can be a bit heavy. So the advantages of this stove is you can collect fuel as you go, and some stoves can be lightweight. Um, there is nothing like uh, an open fire from an atmosphere point of view. The disadvantages is they tend to be expensive, they're heavy, they're not so good when there's we've had a lot of rain or wet environments and you don't have anything dry to cook. And a number of parks uh, and reserves in Australia don't allow open fires, so you may not be able to use these. So as I said, best to use for car camping. 
The choice of stoves you use for hiking can be a confusing one, and you'll find that if you hike for long enough, you'll often end up owning more than one stove. And as I mentioned, we currently own four stoves, and I'm sure I'll, I'm sure I'll, I'll end up buying more over the next few years. Oh, no doubt, no doubt. <laughs> um, so if possible, what I'd suggest if you are on the market for a stove, talk to other hikers who do similar trips, as well as talking to the experts in the outdoor stores. If you're just starting out, Hike with friends and see what they use. But ultimately, what it's going to come down to is your style of hiking as well as your personal preferences. For us at the moment, we still use our main stove is the Jetboil Minimo, um, which is an integrated stove as our main stove. And this is not because it's the lightest or the cheapest. Um, It's neither of those, but because it's quick and easy and less fiddly than a lot of other stove types. Having said that, there are still times when we do use the other types of stoves uh, and it really depends on what we feel like at the time uh, or how long we're actually going for. Yeah, for me, the biggest issue is about keeping it simple. Um, You need to have a lot of confidence in the stove that you're going to be using. Um, You need to be comfortable with using it. Um, And as I said, you know, once you've been hiking for you know a long day and you're tired it needs to be easy it needs to be um, very simple and uh, something that you don't have to put too much effort into Um, if you've got to concentrate hard if you're in conditions where it's windy um, even for us uh, for some of the you know the spirit stoves that we've used in um, cooler areas um you do notice a difference between, uh, you know, how long you have to wait to have that hot chocolate at the end of the day or the cup of soup and uh, what you may have waited if you'd used a different option. So it's got to suit circumstances, but mostly for me, you've got to be confident and it's got to be almost a second nature thing for you. All right. I hope this has been a bit of help. I know it's been a lot lot to take in and fairly confusing. And this is, this is the problem when choosing a stove. There is so much choice on the market and there is no real one perfect stove for all, all uses. All right, that's all for today's episode. I hope you've enjoyed it and it's been of some use and might help you in in making your decision on which hiking stove is right for you. Uh, As always, this episode is available for download through iTunes and which has now changed its name to uh, Apple Podcasts, uh, just to confuse us all, uh, through Stitcher Radio and through SoundCloud. The, uh, our next episode in two weeks' time is going to be on transitioning from, uh, from day hiking to overnight hiking, and that will actually have a, fer- uh, a, f- a follow-up episode the week after uh, as we go through and undertake a, uh, a short, easy night, uh, overnight hike and, and talk you through the process. That's all for us. Bye for now. And that's all from me and the go-to resource for Australian hiking.